This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. It's 2NURFM and it's Talking Travel, Sally Lucas. Good afternoon, Jane. And we're off to somewhere rather special today. I think it's rather special, Jane, and I think you did too after your sojourn there and I've been fortunate enough to be twice and this is Vietnam. And I just thought we'd quote Graham Greene and if anyone hasn't seen The Quiet American or read the book and if you're thinking of going to Vietnam, it's a good thing to do because you get quite an insight into what was happening there before the Vietnam War and when it was still problems with the French occupation, you know, before the Vietnam War broke out and how the Americans were playing both sides and very interesting movie and then once you go there, if you've watched the movie particularly, it's filmed on location everywhere and you go, oh, that, I saw that, I remember that from the movie, you know, it's it's just a, a fantastic thing to do and it was filmed in on location in Ho Chi Minh City and Hoi An and all sorts of places, so either read the book or see the movie or both, it's a fantastic uh, sort of introduction. And just to quote a little quote that he said once, they say you come to Vietnam and you understand a lot in a few minutes, but the rest has got to be lived. I think that's very true. It is, isn't it? I must say, there are a thousand new experiences a second just about when you go to a place like Vietnam. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, coming into Ho Chi Minh City or Saigon, and they still refer to it as Saigon, all the old oldies particularly, I think even the young ones. I mean, it was in in sort of recognition of Ho Chi Minh that it was changed the name, but I think they prefer in a sense, sometimes the name of Saigon. And of course, it is on the Saigon River as well. But it's in your face 24-7, Ho Chi Minh. It, it really is. And um, you've just never seen so many motorbikes in your life. You don't know how they all get across the road, round the corners and not kill themselves or somebody else in the process, let alone trying to cross the street. I mean, that's that's an absolute challenge in itself. Um, but they say you've just got to keep walking. You don't stop. They weave around you. If you stop, they don't know what to do then and create all havoc because everyone will stop. But if you just keep walking, they weave around you. It takes a while to get used to doing that, though. It helps to watch somebody <laughs> who knows. It does. And I must admit I did that for a while the first time I was there before I got the knack of doing it. And when, when I went last year, my husband was still back on the footpath because I was quite brave and used to doing it. And he said, this is, this is still too challenging for me. <laughs> So I'd have to wait on the other side and eventually he would come across and meet me. So you might say it's an adventurous holiday with a little bit of a difference to the adventure. It is. And I was reading the other day where you can even now book through the concierge of your hotel to go on a Vespa ride. Well, now, wouldn't that be um, in your face a bit? It would. <laughs> in all those bikes. I'm just thinking, wow, would I be game enough to do that? But they do a three-hour tour of the cities now that you can now book through the concierge at your hotel. Lots of things to do, as we said. And once you're going into Ho Chi Minh, of course, it's that's it, the nearest point to get to the Coochie Tunnels, which were quite famous from the guerrilla warfare, of course, where these people and families lived underground in the most amazingly cramped quarters um, for a lot of the duration of the war while they were being bombed and so on. And it's about 30 kilometres northwest of Ho Chi Minh City. And it's certainly, you know, it's a district, as I said, that was renowned as the base where the Vietnamese mounted their operations um, of the Tet Offensive in 1968. Uh, there's more than 200 kilometres of these underground tunnels, which is quite amazing. And the main system has many branches connecting to underground hideouts and shelters and entrances to other tunnels. And the tunnels are only between 0.5 and 1 metre wide and just enough space for a person to walk along by bending or dragging. But um, they have modified some of the tunnels now to accommodate visitors because, of course, most of us are quite a bit larger than the Vietnamese, so we couldn't make to do that. Um, in Ho Chi Minh itself, you've got the War Remnants Museum, which is quite um, confronting, um, very 
large pictorial evidence of some of the atrocities that happened during the war. Now, I know some people have walked out and haven't been able to handle it, but it really is an eye-opener if you want to just get a handle on some of the things that have happened. And any reading you can do before you go to Vietnam, there's a book called Just Vietnam by um, a man called S. He's his initial Appy, A-P-P-Y. It's quite thick, but an absolutely wonderful read on the history of Vietnam and, of course, of all the occupations it's had with Portuguese, French, Japanese, Russian, you know. it's a Chinese. They're Chinese. So the poor people, you know, they've been invaded and taken over and yet they're still so resilient and so welcoming and so forgiving. That's the thing I can't get over with the Vietnamese people. And that's what you find when you're there, the, the complete honest friendliness and openness of the people. And, of course, the food is, you know, we all know, to die for. Vietnamese food is just second to none. You've got the reunification palace, of course, where eventually the armed tanks burst through those gates and you can go and do a tour of that reunification palace and there's still, you know, the helicopters and a lot of the tanks and things there. And you've got a lovely um, cathedral there as well and the beautiful old general post office, a lot of French colonial architecture. And, of course, it's also the doorway to go down to the Mekong Delta if you're wanting to do the Mekong as well, whether it be just a day trip or whether you want to go down to sort of Canto and spend a bit more time where you can do the... The, um, the markets on the water, which is fantastic. So instead of flags on their vessels, they have a vegetable representing what they're selling, which is quite amazing. And of course, you can do longer cruises now on the Mekong, as we've discussed before. So it's quite a gateway to, to a wonderful part of Vietnam and the biggest rice growing district in the world as well. Plenty of variety in Vietnam too, Absolutely. in the countryside. On 2 and RFM 103.7, it's 19 past one. And thanks to our sponsor, Travel World on King, we are talking travel, Sally Luke. And I, and we're in Vietnam. We are. We haven't moved very far, Jane. I'm going to have to rush along this next bit, aren't I? So we started in the south at Ho Chi Minh, and of course, at the north, you've got Hanoi, which is your capital, which is very French influenced, of course, as well, because of the long time that the French were there. Um, it had its hundredth anniversary uh, this year in October of. Um, being the capital, Hanoi, oh. uh, freed from French occupation and so mm-hmm. on. So, But they didn't celebrate in any style like the Vietnamese are like that. It was all done very quietly with no big, you know, didn't brass band a, or anything. Didn't it have a thousandth anniversary a couple of years ago yes. of its existence? Yes, it did. Puts yes. it in perspective. It does, doesn't it? Especially if you go to the Temple of Literature and you see that, of course, in Hanoi, which is amazing, the old stone statues that have just worn so smooth because it was the first university established there um, and that was what, about a thousand years ago as well, I think, so. So quite incredible. Along the way between those two major cities, of course, you've got Nha Trang, which is probably more renowned as a beach resort. But if you want a little bit of relaxation in amongst all this hectic travelling you're going to be doing, and there's some lovely little outer islands off there, and you go out in these wonderful little boats once you get out there called coracles. And they're like, a, if you can imagine a woven basket a half a woven basket, so half of an orb without a handle. That's the actual boat. You wonder why they could even sail. And these little ladies, are the only men don't operate them, they have these big paddles and they take you around and they're all fighting and yelling to get your business because there's more boats often than there are sightseers and they need the money, you know. So that's And it's really interesting going out to these little villages. So that's sort of the Nha Trang area. Then you go up to Hoi An, which of course is, is renowned again. It's a World Heritage listed village. There's no traffic within this little village. It has been Japanese occupied as well it's a fishing village and you've got that wonderful Japanese covered bridge which also features in the quiet American right at the end um, and it's, it's renowned for its 
it's tailoring, but not just that, wonderful arts and crafts. You can do cooking tours there. Food is beautiful. And, of course, you're very close to Da Nang as well. Um, and then up to Wei, which is on the Perfume River, which is very interesting also. And you can go across the mountains there. And then you can continue on either by train on the Reunification Express or fly up to then uh, to Hanoi. And then from Hanoi, of course, we've, we can go about three hours southeast to Halong Bay, which again, another UNESCO World Heritage Area, where you've got these wonderful cast formations, which is those pinnacle peaks rising up out of the ocean, which are just quite dramatic and spectacular. There's thousands of them. And they've now got kayaking options, which we did. And you just go through this little hole, looked like you were going into a cave, and it would open out and you'd be in this pristine lagoon with nothing around you, it's perfectly silent occasional monkey or something you'd hear and then you've got these wonderful permanent families living in Halong Bay that, that fishing or pearls is, is what their, their work is and they've all got their little television aerials and they're in just like little floating villages on Halong Bay which is remarkable as well and then to the north of Hanoi of course we've got Sapa up in the mountains which is absolutely amazing because you've got an entirely different ethnic race of people up there called Mong and I didn't realise how many ethnic varieties of people there are in Vietnam and I went to an ethnic Museum, which was quite interesting um, in in Hanoi, which was great to go to as well. Um, the Temple of Literatures we've managed, but mentioned, sorry. But then, if you go up to Sapa, you've also got the Bakka markets, which are just absolutely fantastic. The markets up here are genuine; they've got nothing to do with tourism. Their markets established for the people, and they'll trek kilometres. Women walking their buffaloes; they might be pregnant, they might have a child on their back. They've just got their goods. They sell anything from dogs to snakes to pigs to food to clothing. And, of course, the Hmong people, you've got black Hmong, flower Hmong, and they're tiny little people, quite tiny, darker in in, in um, complexion. And they have come in from China, and they do live in Thailand as well and have been quite pers- persecuted by the Chinese, and which is why they've come down into these other countries. But you can go and do a little trek through the villages and the bamboo forests and meet these people and have tea in their house with them. It's just quite a remarkable experience, but the market, as I said, are just absolutely incredible. Best markets I've ever been to. And very colourful. Oh, extremely. The colourful um, costumes, the women do wonderful embroidery and they sit there. They're, they can only get one rice crop a year up there because being up in the mountains it gets a cold winter, whereas down south they get two rice crops. Um, so the women then do all this wonderful weaving and sewing and in the winter they go into the markets and sell their products to help, you know, substitute the fact that they can't have two rice crops a year. So, honestly, a fascinating country. It has a lot to do on offer. Hanoi is wonderful. Different streets for different things. Paper Street for paper. You've got Silk Street. You've got the wonderful Notre Dame Cathedral. You've got two lakes, West Lake and Hoang Kiem Lake. Beautiful lakes. You can walk around parklands. And it's not as much in your face as Ho Chi Minh, I must say. It does shut down at night. It doesn't go 24-7. So it's a, a quieter city, but still a big city. And and there's a big distance between the two. Yes, yes. So there it's is, a long, thin country. It's a long, they call it the like a buffalo's yoke is the shape of Vietnam. And because it's got such a long seaboard, of course, wonderful seafood. Thanks, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And Talking Travel. We'll be back doing that next Friday. We certainly will. After the 1 o'clock news on 2NURFM 103.7.